Why, hello, friends. You're about to start an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. These next few weeks, however, are going to be a little different. We're going to open with uh, thanking our sponsors because these are going to be film commentaries, and we don't really like to take a break during those. So, first up, a huge thanks to our longest sponsor over at Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it looks like, the, you know, we might be... You know, in quarantine times for the long haul. So start planning now for your locked-in-the-house winter entertainment. Get some board games, get some puzzles, get some role-playing games. Get them now before, you know, every store literally runs out. Just watch. you. I guarantee board games will become the new toilet paper. That did not sound right, but you know what I mean. So... <laughs> Go to Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street. And while you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. And then another huge shout out and thanks to Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. If you enjoy us talking about uh, Star Trek, which you probably do because you listen to the show, and you'd like to know more ongoing adventures of the Enterprise or Deep Space Nine or Voyager or really anyone who has worn red, blue, or gold then get yourself to Bridge City Comics. They have all manner of fantastic Star Trek comics, going back to some of the the classic, uh, like DC and Marvel ones, maybe even some of the Malibu stuff, as well as the new stuff being put out by IDW. So go there, check them out. You can also find them online at BridgeCityComics.com. And of course, a big shout out to Rev Nat of Rev Nat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with equipment so that we can keep doing these podcasts while we are all stuck in our respective homes, basements, living rooms, and what have you, and still make sure the show sounds wonderful. With that, let's kick off Trektober with this issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. We're gonna talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going War Factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day, alright? Why hello! And welcome to issue 571 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Buran. I'm one of your other hosts, Scream Marita. And I'm your other host, Manuel Salvador Calavera de Imotep de la Estima. Hey, Manuel! Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's been far too long. It's been... Uh, one it's week been more than... It's been more than one week. <laughs> yes. It's been like three years. Three years. The only problem with seeing Manuel is I'm just going to say yes all day long. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back. It's a little stuffy in that coffin. You're aging well, Manuel. Manuel. I try, I try. I use only the best embalming fluids. <laughs> We're like the weirdest carnival ever. Oh, that's what I miss. 
I almost called the Baron today saying, say, send me the record. I want to listen to it. So I forgot that the Baron actually reached out to me when he saw our pictures last week. and said, what is this? And then I was going to invite him to pop on the show today to do commentary, and then I spaced. So the Baron, if you do see this or listen to it, my Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I'm sure he's not watching at all. I know. Maybe sometime in December we'll do like, you know, a Nightmare Before Christmas type thing and we can invite the Baron on then. We, we could, watch... uh... Hmm. Or, yeah. Oh, we could do Krampus. Yeah. <gasps> That. We could do a Krampus knock show. Spooky, spooky Christmas. My favorite. Christmas should be spooky anyway. Like literally the most popular Christmas story is a ghost story. I mean, Three Christmas ago. terrifies me every is year. That... So, <laughs> Is that the most popular Christmas story? I think so. Christmas Carol? And, yeah, no, I know, I know what you're referencing. I'm just saying, is it? I would think so. I mean, think how many times it gets repurposed and retold. And... Mm, that's a good point. Damn Dickens. Because it is in, uh, how do you say, no copyright? That helps. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that the main theme of A Christmas Carol is the rich are bad. It should be punished mm-hmm. by being by having ghosts torment them till they're mm-hmm. not bad. It's a very good point. We should have more of those. More ghosts for the rich. Uh, so this week on Geek in a City Radio, we are wrapping up Trektober with our fourth and final commentary from Spooky Star Trek episodes. Tonight, we will be doing a commentary on Season 3, Episode 5 of Enterprise Impulse. Vulcan Zombie. Zombies. <laughs> the brainless children of Surak. <laughs> like Except that. they're not so brainless. It's true. They're the worst of zombies, fast and smart. Mm-hmm. We've lost our witch. She's gone. I want a spooky cup also. Hey, spooky cup. Make sure it make sure it's all the way over there. Oh, it's, it's we'll go get it. We haven't hit play yet. No. <laughs> and I, it's no. Fine. No. Oh. It's fine. My drink no fit in it anyway. One of them's being smart is pouring water into hers. You don't know no. that it's water. It's water. It's poison water. Okay. I mean, vodka is clear. It's true. Mine's just grape juice that I ran, left out to rot for a while. <laughs> like I ran, um, I ran vodka through the soda stream. Look, I wouldn't be against that. I mean, <laughs> actually, I've never even like actively considered trying it. But you are now. I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I know our uh, a few years ago, our mutual friend uh, Prime. He has one of the. The U kegs, like the 64 ounce kegerators, which you put in mm. CO2 in. 
And uh, he basically just made 64 ounces of gin and tonics and then carbonated it and brought it over to a, a gathering. He's like, I brought gin and tonics. That sounds <laughs> fucking fantastic. Yeah. It is good times. You know, this is good times is talking about an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. All right. So I'm going to kick it off here. Everybody have their, whatever, Netflix or CBS access all ready to go? Ready. All right. We're going to hit play in three. Two, one, play. Just starts with action. There is a name for that where you cannot start with a, a talking or with no action. You just have to hit slam bang and go, and then you roll into the credits and then have the two days earlier. I forget I, what that is. In media res. Is. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. She beat me to it. It's the what? God, I hate this theme. As and then I didn't res. think it could get any worse. But... They added the drums. The, drum, mm. the, the more rocking version actually is worse than the original. I will touch the oh, sky. God, no. Yeah, the only thing worse than the acoustic is the soft rock. Yeah. No yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I did not know. I did not know that that song could make Faith you made worse. But... It's no. getting there. Me, me. This would be a good, t- a good time to like fill this up with vodka. Mm-hmm, do yes. anything. How dare you? <laughs> oh god, now I'm getting it in stereo. Oh yeah, good man. Uh, Still one of my favorite videos ever. Christian and I just belting it out. Feeling it. Feeling the faith of the heart. I think that's my torturous Halloween gift to myself is that Bean couldn't skip this part. She had to watch it. <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> uh, that was... Merry Christmas! Took the longest 45 seconds of my life. <sighs> she does a really good job of playing kind of like creepy and angry and psycho. Mm-hmm. It occurred to me while we watched this that I feel like there were many episodes where T'Pol was very sweaty <laughs> and unwell. I, I think that she just had an un, onset mister. Like it's... Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot oh, of... Oh, no, you look too dry. Like all the leafy greens at the grocery store. Just... <laughs> Yay. Just like Although that. it also could have just been her because set lights are super hot and they always have her in a fucking skin tight lycra jumpsuit. Mm. No, no, mm-hmm. but it's always a, a situation where she's like not acting like herself or feeling really sick and like just like discombobulated. Yeah, you know, women, even Vulcan ones. Honestly, I assume there's some sort of like sexually like baseline to that where they're like, yeah, we want her to look all like out of breath and sweaty. There yep. is. It's called Brian and Braga. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Right. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's called Berman and Braga or Garbage, the series. Another thing I was thinking about is how like in ev- almost every series, the hot one always wears something skin tight, never just a mm. regular fucking uniform. Right. Unless they're doing flash for like where you see them in the future. Like, you know, when you do when they jump 
like when Voyager jumps ahead by like a decade or whatever, like amazingly, then Seven of Nines in a regular blue Starfleet uniform, not her skin suit. Right. Like it took them that many years to decide, you know, if you're going to hang out on this ship, you should probably dress like everybody else. Right. I mean, there is the there is the initial explanation of that, that she never wear the uniform because she is not technically Starfleet. What's the excuse for uh, Deanna Troy? Uh, boobs. Yeah, Roddenberry <laughs> liked her cans. Yep. Mm. I mean, just there's no other nice way to put it. Um, I do like the Voyager in-show explanation. That the reason why she had to wear that is because of her implants. She could. I was like, whatever. No, that was dumb. That was dumb. She could have worn anything else. It okay, so she's only part, and she's done. It's a two-part scene. You know, she gets yeah. the camera on her twice mm. for like four seconds. Also, now I'm thinking again about like to Paul's outfit there. That's technically supposed to be a Vulcan High Command outfit, right? That's what it was. She was supposed to continue wearing her Vulcan Yeah, she's job a Vulcan uniform. liaison. But I find it weird to believe that like Vulcans would have any form, apart from like physical shape, I find it hard to believe that Vulcans would have gendered uniform, because the men don't have low-cut v-necks. No, I, they, they I, all wear robes. I was going to say, I feel like at the beginning of the series, when they introduce T'Pol and they say, we've decided that T'Pol is going to join your mission, she was in robes just like the rest of them. Mm. Gosh, she should have stayed in robes. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah. I, I still would have put her in a uniform. Yeah, but she's like, not... This uniform not Earth, makes She's not Earth Force yet, or whatever they called it then. Starfleet. It's oh, was it Starfleet Star- Yeah, it's still yeah, okay. called Starfleet. It's just not no federation. But the the thing with the that's not even a Vulcan uniform on a Vulcan ship. That's true. That's true. Like, let's take a look at what the the Vulcans wear on the Salea. Mm-hmm. Although is this what they finally gave her decent hair starting in season three? She's no. This is her think... hair. Right. The first two seasons were wigs. This the, is the, her hair. The Frankenstein wig. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this is. She just had it cut and styled like this for the rest of the season or the rest of the series. Right. Another thing I couldn't stop noticing about T'Pol during this episode is they. I think the actress, Jolene Blaylock, naturally a very light skinned white woman, and they tan her for the character. And it's too much. It's too much. So she has that sort of Trump effect where, like, the area around her eyes is very pink. Mm. But the rest of her is this lovely golden color. And it's really distracting because they close in on her face a lot. Which is also strange because all the other Vulcans we meet very pale. (laughs) That's a very good point. Although we've had black Vulcans. We have. But all the light-skinned Vulcans very pale. Mm. Right. Spock was so pale, he was yellow. He that, was, and they really didn't stick with that, did they? No, not when they went to movies. They did no. that only on the TV show. Only on the show. Mm. Because they were trying... That was also getting into the whole make him like a Dr. Fu Manchu. I mean, he used to have a tail initially and red skin <clears throat> when they first did some of the tests on him. Yep. The tail would have been pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Red skin, okay, but they probably just didn't want to have to keep that up all the time. No, no they, they did. They did tests. They did test screenings, and they said that it it unnerved people. So they just basically they. And then he did quote look too satanic. Yes. Oh, I knew that's what was going to be the reason. Pointed ears. Yeah. Tail is devil. Yeah, I can see why all of those things together would mm. be a bad idea. Eh. If you're trying to appeal to you know, you have to know many your audiences audience. as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like the parts of Enterprise where the the transporter is still dangerous. I know. The B-plot also is... There's no point to this B-plot. And it's not like the A-plot couldn't have been expanded into its own episode on its own. You could have just Mm -hmm. done Vulcan zombies in space. Right. You know, what's funny, though, is I consider this episode to be a little bit more action-y than the other ones, and the other episodes mostly did not have B-plots. Right. So I think that the jumping back and forth like kind of adds to the tension in a way. That's, that's true. I forgot. Schisms doesn't have one either, does it? Mm-hmm. No. N- neither does TOS. Right. TOS didn't have a lot of B-plots. No, they never did. Yeah. It didn't really well, used to be a thing. Right. And they also didn't really care beyond Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Mm-hmm. You know. I do kind of dig the set. The Saleya. Mm-hmm. It's, pretty, it's kind of cool. Oh, Malcolm, no one likes you. <laughs> they really don't. No, no one likes him. And I, and I feel bad for the actor. He does well enough. It's just the characters... The, eh, I mean, whatever. Everything that they did to give the character any personality made it a bad personality. Yeah. Like he's career military, um, very security minded, very right. job oriented, like goal driven, mission driven, uh, has no hobbies. I mean, and is a womanizer. Which is interesting because in his original character design, uh, he's gay. Because the, the, the actor, actor is, and he is was super gay. excited to get to play a gay character on TV, especially Star Trek. And again, you know, Rick Berman struck, and gay people scare me, and they made him straight. Mm. Um, Not just also, straight, but overcompensatingly straight. Yeah, totally. Yes. Like all things that Berman does. But like, his background had like things you clearly you could tell when they first created him, they thought this would be fun to explore. Like, there's basically this suggestion that so. Enterprise launches five years after Earth officially becomes one government, like one government mm-hmm. society. And he has that whole thing about how his family is disappointed that he didn't join the Royal Navy. Right. So he's probably been in the military, say, 15 years before he signs on for Enterprise, which means he joins Starfleet and finally breaks like the, tradi- the, the tradition of that family to not serve in the, in the Royal Navy. Mm-hmm. Which is like, if the UK is one of the last ones to sign up on the global government, they would still have, like, they'd still have all that shit. Well, even if it's all one global government, they still have to be kind of, like, lumped into groups, right? And I mean, it, it kind of. Like, like, the way it used to be, like, okay, you've got, you know, 
you've got your kingdom and you've got your duchies and each duke is responsible for providing a certain number of troops so in case there is some sort of a you know a war or fight somewhere everyone from each duchy provides enough to create one full force right and i would Although, also if assume... it's a world one world government why do you need any military because if you're the last country to sign on you're probably super paranoid about maintaining you know your your national ideology and let's face it in that world it's going to be the us or the uk are going to mm-hmm. be like, they're going to be dragged kicking and screaming into that uh, and maybe like north korea yeah. Um, and also in this era of Earth's timeline, like you probably are still dealing with some petty wannabe warlords that are trying to hoard food and medicine or whatever. So you got to deal with that shit too. Oh, sure. Anyway, sorry. That's how much this episode, <laughs> just focusing on other <laughs> shit. <laughs> Anyways, a long way to say that like they wrote a lot of things into his character that were interesting and then flushed and it And then off. left. Yep. I mean, they and, kept that bit about the military background and not joining the Royal Navy with with uh, Malcolm, but they right. didn't do anything with it except have an episode where his father was very disappointed. Yeah, you know, yeah. What a shock! A Trek episode where a character has got a father that doesn't like what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we've had our first zombie attack. Yes. Mm-hmm. And these these are not skin tight cat suits. Indeed so not. clearly, uh, it, they're, it's vinyl. And very utilitarian. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, you, yeah, like work jumpsuits. Yep. Right. So again, what the hell is Paul wearing? Nonsense. They're using the phase pistols, right? They're, it's the new weapons, not the, like... These are new, uh, yeah, phase right. rifles. Right. Because the Makos, the Marines, brought them right. on board. I know, like, a lot of hardcore Trek fans were like, don't like the idea of Makos, but, like, I kind of do. But, like, even within, like, the standards of Starfleet, you're still going to have to deal with shit that's going to kind of require a heavy hand. This is the... Well, and they're not Starfleet. They're not. No, I know, yeah. They're, they're the Earth Defense Force. So, going back to Dean's comment, each country would have different armies, but they would all have a collective army. Or in this case, the Marine Corps. Yeah, well, they even kind of show in the first couple of Trek movies that Starfleet basically has Marines. They just don't mm-hmm. really show them ever. But whenever you, see, whenever you see Starfleet officers in those really wacky armor and the helmets, those are Starfleet Marines. Like they have like one, they literally have one job that work beyond Starship security and stuff. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen any of them. Probably in passing. Like they're, they're literally just in the background. Like in Star Trek, the motion picture, the, the one Marine has one line. He goes, carbon-based units? And, and McCoy says like, us, <laughs> humans. I like the makeup on the Vulcans here, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's well done. It sort of it sort of adds to the implication that uh, they're they're affected in a specific way because they all sort of look the same as their yeah. 
in afflicted selves. Yeah. I like how their skin's like skin. Their skin's like extra green as if like they're thinning out and mm-hmm. they almost kind of look primal or old. Well, they look kind of like proto Vulcans actually. Now that I think about mm-hmm. it. With the, uh, with the, with the brow ridge. Uh-huh. But they got this, uh, this like be- bow, like sharp cheek business. Yeah. I mean, part of it is they're probably just gone from not eating, but yeah, all mm. of that. It's a cool. That's combo. right. Cause they've been here. They've been out here. What'd they say? Eight months, nine months. Mm-hmm. Well, long time. Yeah. We don't know exactly what they want to do when they catch them. I always feel like it's just a rage thing. They just want to harm. It's kind mm-hmm. of my the vibe I always got. Right. Well, we get to see to Paul in the early stages of of that transformation, and yeah, she's just like, ah, I don't. I'm going to kill you. No, yeah. no. Re- well, no. There's a bit of paranoia there first. That's what I'm wondering. Maybe they become hyper xenophobic, so they don't mm-hmm. turn on each other, but they go mad. They don't turn on each other, but the moment like a non-Vulcan shows up, they just lose their mind. Mm. Um, yeah. Which kind of makes sense if they revert to super proto-Vulcan instincts that like Vulcans were hyper-violent, very xenophobic. Did a lot of Makos die in this? I don't remember a lot of Makos actually dying. Are you talking about Norm's comment? Yeah. In this episode or in the storyline? In this episode. episode. Nobody dies in this episode. Yeah, I was going to say, no one dies. Like, the Makos take it hard in Enterprise as a whole. There's only one Mako. On this in this episode. In this episode, yeah. No, he makes it too. Spoilers. And I think only overall, I think three Nikos die through the course of the season. Because <laughs> extras are expensive. Mm-hmm. This is another character that wasn't expanded upon enough, and he's clearly given an interesting background. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets that one episode where he goes home. <laughs> the one. The one. That's the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean. For the token black guy, come on. <laughs> but I don't like, even is... think Hoshi gets one of those. Oh, she gets yes, a couple. she does. Does she? Yeah. yeah. There's the one where that... Yeah. Like she uh, doesn't do much this episode, but she has her own. Yeah. The one where she gets really sick. Why was he just hanging out on the ceiling? Yeah, with that one where she gets really sick and she's able actually to break out of the containment brig. And they can't figure out how. And even her like mad rumbling, she's like, math is just another language. Once I get the roots, I can figure it out. Kind of thing. Definitely didn't see that one. Yeah. I also love that she runs a clandestine poker ter- poker ring in Starfleet in the Academy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of great.
Jolene Blaylock is really good at showing that reserved, stressed out. Mm-hmm. Like, she was really good at, like, understanding that her character really does have, like, issues with her emotions. Mm-hmm. Even beyond this episode. No, yeah, because she, she goes through a lot of that. Like, it's a, it's a frequently used uh, piece of subject matter for the yeah. series. Well, if I remember correctly, they eventually reveal that she's part Romulan. That, never like, on the show. Later on the show, right? Never. Never on never? the show. Never? Nope. The intimated in season four when we meet her mother. And That's what it was. I was like, what, was. what about the mom? But they never fully reveal that she is half Romulan. Right. That was supposed to be season five. Oh. Which was going to jump right into the Romulan. They were going like, to jump ahead a little bit. And do the Earth mm. Romulan War. I think they were going to come in at the end of the Earth the Romulan of it, yeah. War. Yeah. Oh, uh, so we were talking about how Travis uh, doesn't really get much time on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Norm does point out, he's like, he got promoted more than Harry Cam. Oh. Too when soon. When did he get promoted? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember him getting promoted. That's he's just not- what Norm said. I didn't watch all of Enterprise, so beats me. He starts out the lieutenant and ends the lieutenant. Oh, well, sorry, Norm. Yeah, sorry, Norm. He was. Uh, oh, wait, oh, he's promoted in the novel, but never in the show. Uh, if it's not on the show, we don't care. Okay. <laughs> he's, uh, how you kids say, peaks or it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> Do kids still say that? I don't know. I don't know what kids do. Yeah, sure. Probably. Yeah, we're the wrong people to ask about the kids these days. Yes. I'm the youngest. I'm not young. So. I like this moment with the Mako. And he was like, you know, you're right. We shouldn't be killing people. This is a rescue op. That was not the direction I thought this was going to go. Right. But I do like it because it's really too easy for Trek to fall back on, like, if you're military, you're just rah-rah, let me shoot and kill. Like, that's what I live for. Well, that so was to kind of have this Mako not do that was nice. Well, that I mean, they the try to make point. you be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the whole point of the season, was to be at war but not lose your own humanity. Right, because this was the season that was was written as the response to what happened in two thousand one. Right, this was the nine eleven season, basically. Yes. Now, yeah, the response and what, to and what a well learned lesson that was. We did yes. so well. Hmm. Norm says there's a lot of Shatner lighting going on in this one. Gotta I hadn't sure. I hadn't noticed. Got it. Sh- well, it's it's horror lighting, so. Mm. <clears throat> I can't find that. So I hit him with that Bella Lugosi light. Nice. <clears throat> Bella Lugosi's dead. I love that song. <laughs> oh, I actually did watch that. Um, 
I did a double feature the other night with uh, Dracula and then the Spanish version Dracula. Yeah. Mm. The Spanish one is a lot longer. <laughs> it's a late night. Yes. See, like I don't care about any of this. No, you're right. Nope. This is boring. Yeah, there's no point to it. And I get that they need a reason to be able to save you know, you know, Archer and T'Pol and all them. But it's like, okay, but... Well, there goes her second scene. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Look out, there's rocks. <laughs> rocks on rocks on rocks on rocks. <laughs> I do think it's funny that every like spacesuit in television shows a camera like on, like a light on the face of the person in the helmet when she would never ever ever do that. No, because you literally can't see if you do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, it makes sense for the movies and for TV, right. so you see the people's face. I think the only shows that don't ever do that are ones that are based on actual NASA missions because they're like, well, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. But anything else, yeah, there's always a light like in the helmet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you just don't buy any of this. It doesn't matter. Like, they literally could have worked a way in for the main plot to have a way for like Archer and them to signal Enterprise. And then Enterprise just swoops in and saves them when it's blowing up. Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe when they wrote this, they just needed to like add something to fill the time with. Like they like they didn't feel like they could flesh this out more. Like, well, I don't know what else to write. Just put in a B plot. Well, like story wise, they probably couldn't, but then it's like just turn into like the the zombie horror trope. Like, A, and we're just rewriting the episode now. Like, A, like, <laughs> give them some more Makos that we can kind of bond with so they can just start taking them out. Mm-hmm. Like in, like in Empok Nor. You know, we're never going to believe that, like, T'Pol and Archer or, you know, or, or, or what's his name? Reed? No. Or even what's his name? Yes, Reed. Not Reed. Reed. We're never going to buy that they're going to get killed. Because that wasn't what Enterprise did. Right. Um, DS9, we've been like, oh, shit. But Enterprise was never going to do that. So, like, give us some fodder. <laughs> I mean, they did it for other episodes. I don't know why they couldn't have for, like, if Enterprise had a different budget uh, allotment. Budget or the way they allot it. I don't know. Was Enterprise the last, like one of the last UPN shows before they became CW? I think so. I, I feel like maybe. Yeah, it was in it was in UPN. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah, I don't know. And even also without that B plot and having to find out a way to send the Enterprise into the field actually would make it more dramatic. Mm-hmm. If like Enterprise has taken a bunch of hits to get there. Like if you have to have a B plot, make it like how can the Enterprise survive the trip to saving our captain or, 
you know, should we like make it that little background moral story of like, yeah, it's the captain and to Paul and Reed, but like enterprise could be destroyed by going to rescue them. So do we do it? You know, what do we do? Anyway. Well, apparently UPN is who wanted to make changes for, on Enterprise from making it episodic to more serialized, and they're the ones who wanted to change it to from Enterprise to Star Trek Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Both theoretically good changes to make. Yeah. Because at that point, they, they went TNG, which was episodic. They did DS9, which is serialized. And then mm-hmm. went back to um, episodic with Voyager. Mm-hmm. So, right. since they they started out doing episodic, but it was still within a timeline and you could follow. So it was still episodic to a, or serialized right. to a degree. Yeah. And also, in a in a weird way, Enterprise is the show you get when you give Berman and Braga everything they want. Because as much as, like, I'm not a big fan of Voyager, like, neither of them had a lot of control of Voyager by the end. It was a lot of, it was a lot of Jerry Taylor and, um, what's his name? Brian Fuller. Mm. So Berman and Braga kind of lost their, their hold on Star Trek with Voyager. Enterprise is 100% what they wanted to do. Until season three, when they kind of had to relinquish some control. Because if you gave them what they wanted, then the first thing they do is put TNA all throughout the first episode. Yeah. Hmm. Also, that was really brave of Archie when you figure out that she's like, what, four times his strength? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, she could just break his arm off? Mm Mm-hmm. Shouldn't that made? Shouldn't that have made it much harder for him to overpower her? It's well, very, qu- it's a very mm-hmm. quick scene. Yeah, what I mean though is that it was kind of ballsy of him. Of like, well, she can literally like pull my head off if she wants to, but I'm going to go ahead and give this a shot. Well, Archer does have a history of doing a lot of dumb things. You're not wrong. I mean, yeah, but. He's, he never really wanted command. Like, remember, in his heart, he's a fucking engineer. Except he still wanted to be the first person to captain the Warp 5 well, ship. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. There's a bit of hubris there. It, it's most... That was just so he could impress his dad. Mm-hmm. His dead dad. Well, there's Trek just reeling his head again. Was he dead already? Yes. Yeah. His father never got to see the completion of the War 5 engine. Right, right. Which made Archer really shitty to Vulcans for a while. Because they're the yes. ones who were like, nope, not ready. We're not letting you do it. S- still. Like, he's right. still shitting the Vulcans. Yeah. It's really I'm, not until season four. Until when season he... four. <laughs> really, a lot of Enterprise are like, not until season four. Yep. 
This Tums tastes really weird. Is you were just drinking Tums? wine, weren't you? Is that it? Probably. Is Tums aren't that great tasting to begin with. No, but it has like a bitter medicinal taste now. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a special noise. Yes, that that right there. That was a special noise. <laughs> My turn for the grape juice. Grape juice. Grape juice plus. <laughs> A lot, of pyro, told- a lot of pyro effects in this episode. Mm. Grape Juice Plus is my favorite line from Return to Planet of the Apes. Wow, that's a hell of a pull. Hmm. I watched, uh, I, don't know what it, I don't know what was going on, or it must have been the summer or like a school break, but when I was in uh, early high school, probably the Sci-Fi Channel did like an all-day marathon of all of the Planet of the Apes movies, which I'd oh, never damn. seen any of before. And so I watched them all that day. And uh, the one where the one where the two apes travel to the past and they're, you know, the one is pregnant and like everyone's trying to like control them is my favorite one. Oh. I mean, clearly T'Pol's kind of in control because she's holding back on the physicality. Right, right. Mm-hmm. She's still sort of like... Seventy thirty. Yeah, it's only 30% I must kill. Right. 70%, okay. Well, let's do 60-40. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to let Archer drag her around much longer. <laughs> this scene was... This is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, it's not that big. And honestly, it's like it's just down the middle of a four-way intersection. Right. So you could totally just kind of like corner hop it. Yeah. Do a little shimmy. Yeah, just, just kind of diamond your way around it. I feel like in the script, it was probably a much more intense scene. But then, it's you like, know. Yeah, it's like four steps long. Like you're really yeah. milking this, guys. Right. Like the props department was like, look, we don't have a whole lot of space on this set. Um, I don't know what you guys wanted. <laughs> And the director was probably like, well, we'll film it from certain angles. We'll make it work. And then they were like, oh, shit, let's just shoot the damn thing. <laughs> uh, Norm says, uh, yeah, Brian and uh, Berman and Braga are the ones that give you blue goo underwear scenes. Mm-hmm. But yes. then season four, you get Manny Cotto taking over. And he's like, let me fix your TNA show for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But and with, like, with really awkward, like, butt crack shots, too. Who's butt crack? To Paul's. In this and, season. And, and trips, to be fair. Oh, because that's why trips. I asked. I'm like, we've gotten some, you know, man ass in the show. You've gotten some man ass, you got some Vulcan booty, and like side boob. That was also the thing they were like, okay, mm-hmm. Jolene, you need to hide your nipple with your elbow while you're getting rubbed down because we want to be titillating, but we can't, you know, we can't show boob. I'm like, you guys are working really hard for this. <laughs> that's right. I remember when Armin Schoenerman would always talk about uh, nudity in Star Trek and about the fact that it's like, when are we going to see uh, Ferengi women on Star Trek? He's like, 
when we move the cable. Right. Yeah. Let's make sure we work just hard enough to have the same amount of side boob as like a daytime soap opera so we don't offend the families. Mm-hmm. They work as hard on uh, TNA in in Enterprise, especially I think, as they did on just this one fucking scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cold. Like, how much tension can you build over getting over one hole in the floor? Not enough. I forgot they get off the ship with like f- almost like ten minutes left to go on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because they still have to stay with the pod. I know, but I, I don't know. I'm just gonna yeah, don't, it don't forget we still have to get back to the ship, and to Paul is like in full rage at that point. Yeah, but there still but, needs to be a resolution. So there's there's a lot of fleshing out that still needs to happen. There is, but I would rather them spend like eight more minutes on the ship just fighting more zombies, and then literally do that trick thing where like. She's in sick bay, and Flox is like, "You got her to me just in time. She'll be fine." And like, have her kind of open her eyes a little bit, and like, Captain, I'm, I'm sorry. You should have left me. And he's like, I don't leave anybody behind. And then credits. Like, I don't need like the, I don't need the two like gotcha endings that they do on the show. But that's that's horror movie shtick. That is true. The gotcha thing is a bit horror. Movie-ish. That that is so Nightmare Before or Nightmare on Elm Street. A little that's bit of exactly that too. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it that way. I was like, man, they just are really milking this plot. Um, I mean, granted, you're probably right. They ran out of script, but... They could have, like, really fleshed out a lot more of the action or, like, the what's going on, like, early stages of this episode. Right. And just, like, done more on the Vulcan ship. But instead, we've got the B-plot plus all this resolution. Here we go. We're still at 37 minutes. Right. Like, it's like so much of Star Trek Enterprise, it's always like, you know, they could have just done more. Mm -hmm. They could have tried a little harder. I always feel that way about Enterprise. Those props in the background are some of my favorite things to ever show up in Star Trek. The giant oversized food coloring tablets. Mm-hmm. <gasps> they are. It's literally what they are. And apparently they're like they were used by like whatever the baking company as like back I mean they're that is what they are. They were for like Yeah, I have some in my kitchen right now. Just yeah. not that just not that big. Oh, and of course she has to be naked for this. Right. And this is going to sound creepy, but it's true because I saw this on super high def. It's a little disturbing that I kind of feel like they made it really cold on the set or they put mm-hmm. ice on her because she's kind of poking through them blankets. Mm-hmm. Even and though she's look, sweating. She's sweating and those are very thick blankets. It was. It's obviously like, just make sure we see your nipples. I can't really tell, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. it. Something that actually happens a lot in Hollywood, they will intentionally for scenes like... I, I know someone who has worked on movie sets that one of their jobs was an icer like they would <laughs> literally rub ice on women so when they do the shoot they have like the perkies they got the headlights going on it's fucking weird yes we really go out of our way to just like make them known right and 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 inversely to cover them up and then to shame them mm-hmm. yeah it's hot and it's and it's slutty they're shame. just they're just nipples I think they're weird. 
Also, this this scene doesn't even make sense. This whole like, no, just drop, just dump me somewhere. I don't want to jeopardize your ship. I'm like, but you're fine now. The fact but, that we can have this conversation is how we know you're fine now. Except yeah. she's still emotional. Right. And that's a very Vulcan thing of like, mm. you know, I'm glad you saved me, but you shouldn't have. Like, Spock would have said this shit too. Like, you know, Captain, you should have left me mm. behind and endangered the entire mission. I'm not repeating that, Norm. Which is, which is what allows every human captain to give that, well, that's why humans are better, because we won't leave you behind. Mm-hmm. We won't let logic decide. Yeah, it's... You know, like logic is such a bad thing. Is it weird that this is my favorite scene of the entire episode, though? <laughs> because they're doing what we're doing? Yeah, well, not as, I just like how much uh, Dr. Phlox gets into this. Mm. And I love the, I'm not emotional, but Phlox, you're annoying the fuck out of me scene. <laughs> Vulcans still use too many words to say. Fucking trip. Shut up, baby dick. <laughs> like, don't tell me how to enjoy a movie. I really want to see more about Denobians. Like, like I remember at first when I first watched this show, I was like, oh, this character is going to annoy me so much. But then eventually I'm like, no, Dr. Flox is one of my favorite characters in the series. Mm-hmm. He brings a lot of humor to... And it, and it doesn't feel forced. Not like the attempt to have Neelix be the humorous character on Voyager. Like, that was just <sighs> appalling. Well, Neelix is terrible, so... Also that. Yeah. Kind of like this fisheye lens here. Zombies. Kind of a cool effect. The fisheye lens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is totally Nightmare and Elm Street ending. Yeah, I went Event Horizon ending. That too. That works. I I like the I I love hate this this makeup in this scene because again, pale woman with a bunch of tanner, but now she has to look like pale and white because she's mm. not well. So it just makes her, it. It's why weird. did they give her a lot of bronzer? Like Vulcans don't look like that, do they? Because she's hot. Yeah, yeah, because well, because Tan is hot. I mean... I, I don't know who decided. I, there is so much. Like, there are, there's an entire show where you can just talk about the injustice of casting someone who is that much of a Star Trek fan as in a role that she dreamed of and <laughs> right. then turned her into the TNA of the show. Like, right, yeah. That would so. fucking keep me up at night. Yes, I think it still does. I I don't I I I hope that Jolene Blaylock has made peace with it by now. But I don't know. I mean, at least what's her face gets to like re. Um, what is the word? Jerry Ryan. Yeah, reprise it, reprise her character uh, uh, as a more like fleshed out individual. And it has right. nothing to do with the way she looks. Oh, no. Yep. It has more to do with the, the number of acids she kicked. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was Trektober. 
<laughs> it was, that was fun. This was is a good fun. idea. Yeah, it was fun to visit this this way, for sure. Um, I mean, I kind of feel bad we didn't do the Voyager episode, because now looking back... Oh, I forgot. I was going to watch it anyway and just probably gripe about it. <laughs> Which episode was it? Uh, I, let me double check for you. It was Cold Fire. That's it. Which Sack had said, and I wish he was in the chat right now, but he couldn't hang out tonight. He said it was... Ugh, I'm never going to remember. There was a particular theme that it embodies. He said it was kind of um, Lovecraftian? It was more specific than that. I don't remember this episode at all. Yeah, like the same, uh, what is it, Ocampa? The same race as Kess? Mm. Like literally one of his names, Suspiria. There we go. Yeah. That's that's what it was. He's like, even there, even the character, even one of the characters is named Suspiria. Right. <laughs> Directed by Cliff Bull. Is that good? That's who Bullions are named after. Huh. Cliff Bull damn near directed episodes of Trek till the day he died. Directed 42 episodes of Star Trek. That's a lot of Star Trek. Yep. Yeah, he started in TNG and made it all the way through uh, Voyager. Good for that guy. Yep. So this was a lot of fun. I don't know how we could repeat it uh, in another year because we've already we've already watched what we think are the the best ones. Right. I'm telling you, one day we're gonna we're gonna do Sub Rosa as a commentary, but it kind of needs to happen where like we're not in a like cultural firestorm where my liver can't take a double dip. Like my liver can't take society right now and watching Sub Rosa. Sure, sure. I just die. Uh, in a weird way, Sub Rosa would just be fun drinking, but then it would be compiled with everything else in the world, and I'd be like, eh, how'd Aaron die? Oh, Ronan. <laughs> Crusher's, like, Irish sex ghost did him in. <laughs> also, then we'll get to talk about Discovery. So, I think... N- I want to say this Friday there's a virtual like galaxy con or whatever, but they're having a bunch of actors from monster squad mm-hmm. where you can sit, you can either have them sign a photo of themselves and they send it to you, or you could mail in one to have them personalize it. I kind of want an eight by 10 of Duncan Renger in sub Rosa <laughs> and get that signed. I wonder how he would feel about that. Job's a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you know what? Every time that thing screens, he gets paid. I'm not going to pretend that that was the worst role that Duncan Regger has ever done. No. No, he's done many bad roles. Mm-hmm. But he's always good. Mm-hmm. Last comment on Enterprise uh, from Norm. Trip, trip is what happens when you try to make a Midwestern Riker, but get a Cornhusker Golem. <laughs> oh. But without Trip, we wouldn't have gotten a great joke in Lower Decks. 
But they have so many. It's the... uh, I forgot even says, like, come on, he's got, like, Kirk Swagger, but with, like, Tripp's butt or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I need to rewatch that whole season again. Mm -hmm. There's There's just so much. It's kind of... I've run into a few people now that completely wrote it off when they first heard about it. Like, wait a minute, what? The same people who do Rick and Morty, jokes, Trek shouldn't do comedy, blah, blah, blah. They're like... Okay, I was wrong. Like I was, I was a grumpy Trek fan, and I was wrong. I'm like, yes, yes, you were. Yep. Don't ever write off any Trek just because you read about it and think, well, that's not for me. Like, you know, give it some episodes. If it's not for you, then it's not for you. But that doesn't make it bad. Correct. Yeah, but that's not how Trek fans work. That's, that's not how some. I was just gonna say, I'm like, but it's you know, it's not exclusive to Trek fans. But... No, no, no. No, but without there being a new Star Wars around, then that's they they're just louder. Like as soon as Disney puts out another Star Wars movie, the Trek fans won't sound as bad anymore. Mm. <laughs> that's true. And I, I think shitty Star Wars fans make more headlines than shitty Star Trek fans. They do. They're also far more violent. Mm. Well, on that fantastic note, um, were we going to talk about yeah. Discovery? Yes. Yeah. Episode or season three, episode two of Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to get the name here really quick. Far from, far from home? Yes. I believe that's what it's called. Far from home. So I like that it's basically. Episode two is is essentially like a western almost. Well, let's back up. It's the the thing that is. I mean, I guess it's not any sort of a surprise, but episode two is essentially the same idea as episode right. one, but just you know all of the other characters. What happens yeah. when they come through the wormhole? It's damn near runs parallel to it. Yeah, and then a very. Um, I mean, not that Michael's uh, introduction was brutal, but they. But the the crew gets a somewhat brutal introduction to what what their new environment is, is going to be like. Oh yes, yeah, much more violent than Michael's, I would say. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but still a direct um, directly related to the the violence that Michael she got to see the top of that feeding chain with the the Orion and the Andorian syndicate. Right, exactly. That's true. And the the Corridon miners, they're the ones that are kind of, like, they're serviced by a criminal courier. But yeah. couriers are who work for the syndicate. Completely disenfranchised community. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, it should be noted, uh, Corridon, uh, the uh, Corridians, mm-hmm. those are from Journey to Babel. Yep. I thought they looked familiar. They mm-hmm. aren't actually in the episode. They're not but, in it. But that's the planet that is asking to become part of the Federation in that episode. <laughs> then right. why do they visually look familiar to me? They've used the they've used them in previous seasons of Discovery. Yeah. But at that at the time, they were not part of the Federation. They don't mm. become okay. Part of the Federation until 
TOS, which is still 10 years beyond the beginning of this discovery. TOS is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of really great elements in this episode because Mm -hmm. you get to interact with so many more characters this time around. Um, what's the, what's the gal's name from who was on, um, who was on Michael's previous ship and she has the, uh, the implants around her eye. It's, um, Detmer. Detmer? No, wait, the implants around her face or on the side of her head? On the side of her Oh, that's Detmer. And boy, she ain't doing well. No, she is like definitely shell-shocked. And of course, some of this is really probably uh, She's probably having a lot of like flashbacks and and, and such to the first time she was in a situation like this. The Shinzo. Yes, thank you. The Shinzo. Mm -hmm. Um... And so, yeah, she's like, she's really out of it, but she's like, physically, you're fine. Get back to work. Sort of. Right. Well, and she's hiding it a little bit, too. Yes, she's hiding it. She's not talking to anyone about the fact that she's not 100%. Right. Right. Well, and no one, I I, I think if, if people had the time to notice it wouldn't. It wouldn't be that. She, it's just not that she's doing that good of job of a job of hiding it. Mm. It's just that there's so much going on right now that they can't focus on her. Right. Yeah. No one can give her the attention that she probably yeah. needs. It was, yeah. it was basically that moment of like, you know what? You're not bleeding. No bones protruding. So here, here's a shot. Get out of sick bay. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of understandable. The person right. who's going to know this first is uh, the health. Uh, the ops officer, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Commander Nan notices it also in sick bay. But she's in like, passing, in passing, she's like, "You're right." I also, the... I totally forgot that Commander Nan wears a skirt. You just the way they shoot it, you rarely see that. I didn't know that until like, I forgot yesterday. that there's a Discovery skirt. Also, I mean, yeah. they have leggings under it too. It's kind of cool looking. Apparently, that was her same uniform when she. For Enterprise. Yep, it was. The first shows up, it was red. Mm. I did not, I had not actively noticed that. Mm-hmm. She, oh. she was actively talking about the fact that she was sad that she wasn't part of season three and really enjoyed Discovery and blah, 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 blah. And it was all a lie. Ha. <laughs> right. I had not read those. Mm. I, I hadn't either. Mine was, I really look forward to seeing her next season. And went, oh, she did. I'm like, no, she didn't die. She got knocked unconscious. She right. did die. It's like, no, no, she died. It's like, well, then that was a shitty death. Right. Mm. Uh, so, like, uh, finishing thoughts on Detmer. I don't, I think that they're going to flesh that out for a little bit. It's like, leave it sort of like mm-hmm. boiling under the surface. And then later in the season, it's going to like really crop up and become a yeah. thing. Norm suggested maybe she's got a little bit of control in her. I don't think that's it. I think I don't either. Yeah, that's that's last season's problem. Mm. This season's got a completely different problem, right? Although there was something in, and now I'm not going to remember what it what what it was exactly, but there was something about the previously on that recaps season two stuff at the beginning of this, you know, episode two. That kind of made me feel like maybe that some of that stuff is not fully done and over with. It could be mm. it could be a red herring, but I, I got that impression 
solely off of the previously on scenes. Look at that, that right. cut scene. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and then there's a uh, Stamets and Culber. Oh, I just love those two. It's uh, I didn't remember. Did Culber sort of come back around on his relationship with Stamets before season two ended? Yes. Or is okay? I'm like this just feels... before season. Just okay. before because Jet Reno goes to sick bay with like a hangnail. <laughs> and just and just choose Culper out, and basically she has that line where she's like, you know, people like us usually don't get a second chance, so don't screw this up, kid. Because they have that great thing where they talk about like their significant others, and you know, Culper's like, you know, he wanted, you know, something about all the different operas or whatever, and she's like, my wife wanted vegan steak for the wedding, vegan steak. <laughs> also, yeah, so yeah, she kind of and he at the. In this final, the finale of season two, there's a whole lot of like, of of Culper being like, you know what? I just got you back. Like, don't you die on me? We're gonna make this work. So yeah, they're they're good. Yeah, and they so better was... stay good. I don't care if they put them both through the ringer, but don't yeah. break their hearts anymore. <laughs> I don't so think it, they are. Yeah. No, it's it felt kind of sudden, but I have a bad memory. Uh, it it is just nice to see them like together again or sort of like both back in a uh, a state of in loveness with one another even if they still have some like work to do on that right i spent most of the the episode trying to figure out how anthony rap does manages to get through every single one of those scenes he has to do with tig notaro with, her, <laughs> with god laughing hysterically she is like she has been like the MVP of this series in the background, not in the background, but you know, she's not a bridge crew kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to be like a sloppy boy over in there? My name's Doug. I've already forgotten it, kid. <laughs> oh no! It's like what you want to you want to clean up the bad guy like a ensign hazmat? That's right, ensign hazmat. The poor actor is actually credited. As Ensign has met that. Oh, <laughs> what's what's his? He says it like my name's Bob. I've already my forgotten. Name, my name's Ryan. I <laughs> don't care. Um, I love that she literally sits on her toolbox mm-hmm. and it, she just opens it up mm-hmm. and sits on it. Get this woman a drink and a neurostabilizer for me. <laughs> she is she's my favorite type of like crotchety old lady. Rage. Like like the very like slappy squirrel style of like I'm old and I don't have to pretend to be nice anymore. Mm-hmm, right. But I'm also gonna be funny about it, which makes me totally lovable. Um, I also love like she's admitted yeah. that she is really horrible at the techno babble, so she will sometimes just make up shit as she so because she'll just get stuck on it. So apparently she will, some of those lines are just her winging it, but she delivers them so well, they don't make, they don't change it. We, we and, it and she does it as Jet Reen, like she makes it work for the character also. Mm-hmm. Most of her dialogue re- sounds like she has a, they write dialogue and then they bring it to her and say, how would you say this? Right. I can see that. How would Reno say this? Oh, okay. We write it like that. Oh my god! I'm just thinking I mean, of those great moments. Go ahead. Sorry. I, say, I mean, I think the thing is that like 
Like, Jet Reno isn't that much of a character. Jet Reno is Tignataro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Um, I like it when uh, Dr. Culper throws a little bit of jokes in there. Like, when Stamets refused to stay in sickbay and says, all right, until you can spell, my partner brought me out of a coma and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> and he's like, and shut up, sit down, lie down, you're done. Well, and then they cut away and you they cut back to him finishing the spelling. Yeah. But he but he gets docked because T-shirts has a hyphen in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-R-T. <laughs> that was really good. Um, the... God, what I mean... I know we say this almost every week, but like we as an audience in general do not deserve Doug Jones. No. We just uh, don't. He <laughs> no. he is the absolute star of this episode. Oh my yeah, and just the the emotion he can bring through through all that makeup is just mind-boggling. Also, also well, with Michelle Yeoh, I think. <laughs> oh they've man. Got, they've got some really fun chemistry. That fucking face off between those two was good, so good. Also, Kelpians shoot darts now? Yeah, oh, what was that? That's cool. Did, well, no, so did, he, do you not remember this? I remember that he lost his little, like, squiggly fingers that come out of his head that his are tendrils. the fear, his fear response. I so, did not remember spikes growing out of it. Okay, so this is how this happened. Um, when they go to his homeworld and discover that Kelpians used to be the, the reason they are, are used as uh, fodder by this other race mm-hmm. is because this other race has been battling them for thousands of years. And the Kelpians used to be an apex predator. Uh, they started right. killing them before... They could evolve, the, the thing, right? Right. The threat ganglia, when those fall off, they are replaced by darts. Right. And they enter the next phase of their evolution, which is apex predator. So when you take that information and apply that to with how uh, Saru is still interacting with everyone, with being, we are Starfleet, we are the Federation, we are peace, we are love, we are understanding. He's doing it now as something that can and wants to kill everything. Right, and I mean he is just like ever the diplomat too. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's most impressive. No, I I forgot that that other half of that evolution that really I caught me too. by surprise. I knew I should have rewatched season two before I started this. Yeah. It it helped waiting so long to watch season two because it's all <laughs> fresh for you. Yes, it's like oh, well this is fascinating because he's a he is a different character. He now operates without fear. He operates, he is slowly evolving into a predator mindset. Um, He could have easily killed everyone in that room. Turns out. Before Jojo got there. Because he's faster than all of them. Right. (laughs) Um, I do love how much Giorgio likes the future. Um, uh, uh, Norma says, like, it looks like Michelle Yeoh is having a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. This Giorgio is a lot more fun than the other Giorgio. Right. And also, like, I, I'm watching the scenes where, like, they're shooting her just a little bit. 
And I remember thinking, like, you're just turning her on, and <laughs> she's just going to unload on you guys, and mm-hmm. and then going to want to go like hump somebody. You're you're literally just turning her on right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to shoot Giorgio, you better kill her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she kind of has a thing for pain, so don't don't do that. It's not going to. It's going to work. It's going to be bad for you. <laughs> yup. Um. Although we know that eventually either they get back or she gets back because she's still in the Section 31 show as the lead. So, did, did I tell you about the other show? The, the uh, other podcast? Yes. And, the, and all the Asian and the Star Trek? Yes. And the, the showrunners, how they talk about the fact that they knew in season one that they were going to put the Discovery in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Discovery is coming back. I don't either. And storyline-wise, they can't. They can't. That was the whole point, because it still has that uh, database. Right. Um, the Sphere archive. So it still has all that information. It right. can't go back in the past, ever. I, I understood that as Discovery, the show is going away. Oh no. No. Right, right. No, no, no you're yeah. talking about Discovery yeah. the ship cannot the, the go ship. back to its original time. Yeah, it already mm-hmm. got a season four. I mean right. Yes. And I'm fine with that. But Giorgio yeah. can go back. Right. Which just makes her more dangerous because then she's not the future. <laughs> and you know that like regardless yeah. of whatever rules there may or may not be about time travel, she gonna take some of that shit back with her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she don't give a shit. She wants to do it. Well, that would explain why Section 31 has so much better tech than everyone else in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. It all fits together. Yeah. Um, but- I love the scene between Saru and Tilly. Mm-hmm. Says, I could not think of a better person to bring on a first contact mission than you. I was like, oh, God, Saru. No they, one makes a better person. First impression. Yeah, that's right. Jeez. They're a good pair because he has a very calming presence about him, and Tilly does not. Right. She needs she needs someone to be the calming presence in her in her bubble. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so because, I know, like her and Michael have a good relationship, but it's not the same. No. It's more it's more motivational than mm-hmm. than reassuring. Because Tilly is still, she's barely an ensign. She was a cadet, so she's still like early 20s. Yeah. And neurotic as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and still clearly a genius, but very, very young. Yes. Very young. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I know this episode, this episode was basically like all right, we got to bring them both together. So it, mm-hmm. it did a lot of actual, like, it did some world building, but its primary job was was exposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was kind of what it had to do. And for being what it was, it was a solid episode for what it needed to do. And that Western mm-hmm. foil was a lot of fun. It was totally cool. And that's actually a weird throwback to TOS. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, you know, CBS only did Western. So if you needed another, if you needed a set, it was like, oh, it's a primitive western type planet or it was always a variation of that. It's miners. It's cowboys because those are the sets we have. They're cheap. Got it. Still not... Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say a lot of people seem to think that this was rushed for for 
uh, Burnham and Discovery to be reunited by the second episode, even though it's been a year for Burnham. Right. But it's also, you have 13 episodes. You have to get everybody on the same page really mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the right. seasons are not that long. Mm-hmm. I don't think that end of episode I, end of episode two is exactly when I expected them to be reunited. As mm-hmm. soon as they established that Michael was there and the discovery was not, the thing that I did not expect was that in their timeline it was only going to have been one year. Right. I was I was anticipating no less than five years, likely or ten. I I was thinking five. Yeah. Five seemed reasonable. Ten is kind of a lot because you, you would, in theory, be expected to age the actors up a lot more, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily want to do that for the longevity of the show. Uh, but five, five would have been ideal, I think. Right. So that was a surprise. I mean, in the long run, it doesn't really hurt anything. A lot can happen in a year. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, to where like I think Michael and Book are kind of a thing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. It's kind of implied. It's a little boilerplate, but okay. Yeah. Although going back to Cable, going to your point about how some fans are annoyed at how quickly they reunited, you know, Michael and the Discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, they have 13 episodes. It's it's narratively disingenuous to be like, oh, will they ever meet? Well, of course they will. So what's the point of dragging it out? It, the only reason to drag it out is if that is going to be the premise of your entire season is them looking for each other. But mm-hmm. how, much, yeah. how much material can you really get out of that? Or if you had 24 episodes instead of 13. Sure. Then you make the first four episodes about them reuniting. Right. But that's how you also you get seasons where a third of it's great, a third of it's okay, and a third of it's garbage. Because mm-hmm. right. you got just like, oh, I guess we got to write another episode. we got to fill another fucking hour. Yeah. Instead of t- 13 tight hours. Yeah. Anytime I ever lament... You know, like you get to the end of a season, you're like, oh, man, I wish there was more of this. The thing you have to remember is that, like, can they turn out twice as many episodes to this caliber? No. Right. no. Just, just just, enjoy what you have in less time. Or, you know, yeah. spread it out. If you, if you want it to last you from, you know, from fall to May, then watch it less often, I guess. Ooh. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, so another solid one. I'm excited to see this third episode. Me too. See them all together and kind of. Here's where we're going to start seeing. Okay, now we're going to help rebuild like the dream of the Federation kind of thing. Um, which and now we, we can kind use... of need right now. Mm-hmm. Also, can we establish what the fuck the burn is? I'm still not super clear. No, that's the big mystery of this season. The burn. The the effect of the burn was that it burnt out what ninety percent of all usable dilithium in right. the galaxy. Yeah, no. Yeah, the least... mystery is what caused the burn, because no one knows. Right. It, it, it feels like everyone thinks it was caused naturally, right. as it was something that just happened happens to dilithium that nobody knew about and wouldn't for, oh, say, a thousand years of using dilithium. Right, uh, right. Oh, it's a... Um... It's it's a coal and oil metaphor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's a I think there's a lot of environmental messages being in this episode this season. Also, got we've it. already got you know animal preservation being hunted to extinction. Right. And, you know, um, we see hints of other ways of propulsion that's been hinted at in like TNG and DS9. You've got because the, they mentioned warp sails, which is the Bajoran sail ships, 
and slipstream mm. and slipstream travel. So it's not like they're making shit up in the canon of Trek. Like, no, this is all stuff they've explored before. Mm-hmm. This also means that they can now they can continue to use the mycelial drive, the spore drive, and the mycelial network. Right. Right. There's actually at one of the in the trailer you see Stamets being plugged in again. Mm-hmm. Um. Because Wasn't that's... that really bad for him? Like they said, he could only do it so many more times ever. No, it was bad for him because he kept he wasn't telling anybody. He was seeing Culper every time he went in, mm-hmm. and it was he emotionally just didn't want to do it anymore. Right, because this is in the window of time where he was dead. Right, right, and also he was being forced to use it multiple times in a short period of time by uh, Captain Crazy Pants by Lord Mary Universe. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. 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 Got it. Um, Yeah, it is interesting. Like one of the premises that are seem to be doing in Discovery, you could attribute to like Earth right now. Like, what would happen if we all woke up tomorrow and Earth had no more oil, Mm -hmm. like none? Apparently, we would all be fucking fucked, just absolutely without a goddamn clue. Well, we actually would be for a while. Mm Hmm. I mean, except, the, for the, the, except for the part where we actually do have the resources to create a lot of alternative mm-hmm. fuel and energy sources. We do, but it would still be chaos. <laughs> we already have the technology. But right, but like use it. We don't but also think about how many things because it's easier, how many things that we derive from oil, not just fuel. Plastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's It's horrible how much the entire human species has become reliant on oil Mm. i'm just i'm even right now having that conversation i'm sitting here like thinking to myself good on you you were you know you try to like mitigate the amount of plastic that comes into your home uh phone case uh plastic funnel my plastic cup the uh, like 80 percent of my computer this reusable water bottle still plastic my mouse this clip lamp over here my camera my all of it all of it it was just everywhere Probably even of the, some of the even the elements of the clothing and the makeup you're wearing. Probably mm-hmm. petrochemicals was involved in the creation of them. Yeah, yeah probably. No, it sucks. So hopefully Star Trek will show us something. <laughs> They've been trying to since the sixties. That's true. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, well, on that note. On that note, we should wrap up the show. Yes. Uh, next week we're going to have a couple of guests on Rat Bean. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, God, now I have to do this memory again. Monty Nero and... Damn it, I'm not going to remember. Um, but they are the uh, the duo behind the comic book Frenemies. Nice. So, yeah, we will have them live on the show next week uh, and avoiding any election coverage. Yes. I'm just not going to watch that shit. Nope. Uh, if you haven't voted yet, for the love of God, please vote. Please just do it. Go do it. Um, other than that, next week we also have new. Well, we have a new episode of Discovery. Look forward to, mm-hmm. and Mandalorian kicks off. So mm-hmm. country might burn, but we're gonna. Or at least we're gonna get a good TV. Yeah. We'll be entertained. That's right. We'll we'll all be just living with hunger down <laughs> and wait for the end of the world with right. Star Wars and Star Trek. That's right. As they used to say, it's all part of the show. With that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Pianarita. 
And I'm Manuel. And we will talk to everybody next week. Happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>